turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter and the 15th verse, and it says this. It says, but speaking the truth in love. Now, who is it that's supposed to speak the truth? Well, we all are, but in the context, there were ministers uh, that were given to speak the truth, and there is a way to speak truth. And so that means there's a way not to speak truth, right? Does the devil ever speak the truth? Sometimes. He'll, he'll quote a Bible verse. He may take it out of its setting. But does he do it properly? No, he does not. Now, keep your finger there or mark that page and go to Ephesians or 1 Corinthians 13th chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And um, he's talking about these gifts, these manifestations of the Spirit, the body of Christ being built up. And right in the middle, he puts these statements here about gifts, giving, preaching really, giving your whole life for God. He said, if you don't do it right, it's just not going to work. It's not going to profit you. It's not going to affect other people. I don't know about you, but if I don't get results, I want to start asking questions. You with me? 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, Though I speak with tongue, the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Notice he talked about speaking in tongues here, which he talks about in the 14th chapter, and he said if your motivation is not love, you're just making noise. And notice he goes on to say, and though I have the gift of prophecy, which is speaking an inspired utterance in a known tongue, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Notice, we put importance on faith, don't we? We put importance on gifts of the Spirit, and we should. But notice, he's connecting something to each one of them. And notice this in verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned... In other words, I give and I become a martyr. He said, notice, I give my goods or to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Is love a vital part of the Christian life? It's interesting that when we look at the 14th chapter, when he starts off, he said, you know, he talked about gifts of the Spirit, different things, and he said, I, you know, talked about this more excellent way. In other words, he said, desire spiritual gifts, but he said, prioritize your life by living in love. 
You with me? And why is this? Because there is something behind love or within love that makes the whole thing work. Right? Didn't Mark eleven twenty three and 24, the chapter's about faith, and he said, if you've got faith so that you could move mountains, but you don't have love, didn't he just say something about that? Well, isn't it interesting that Mark eleven twenty three and 24 talk about faith, about speaking to mountains and telling mountains to move, but then the very next verse says, when you stand praying, because he talked about saying and praying there. He said, when you stand praying, he said, forgive if you have ought or anything against anybody. You're, you as a Christian do not hurt others. You hurt yourself when you don't forgive and you don't walk in love. You with me? You're, you're not allowed to be bitter. I didn't say somebody didn't do you wrong, but you need to get rid of that because it has an effect and it messes things up. You with me? Was there an emphasis on love? Meaning he went through all these different things and activities that many times spirit-filled believers go, whoa, these are the things, bam. Right? This is it. This is what we, we need more prophecy. We need greater faith to move mountains. We need people who will just be sold out and give their whole life and they die for the cause. Right? You ever heard that kind of stuff? We just need more prophecies. We, you guys just got to be better givers. Right? Isn't all that in there? But what did he emphasize? He didn't say any of those things were wrong. He was just saying, listen, it doesn't have the effect. It doesn't affect you properly. It doesn't do what it should if it's not motivated by love. You with me? In other words, if I am going to say something to you, my motivation should be love. Or I need to make an adjustment. Now, go back there to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Love is the big thing of the New Testament. It, it's sad that we don't recognize that there are two main covenants recognized in, the, you know, in this book we call the Holy Bible. The New Testament and the Old Testament. Or you could say the New Covenant and the Old Covenant. <clears throat> we are very familiar with the Old Covenant. Or I should say it this way, we may not even be that familiar with the Old Covenant, but we're very familiar with the rules that have to be followed. That's an interesting thought. Because people don't, a lot of people are real big about the Ten Commandments, which are the rules that you're supposed to keep to walk in that covenant, but people don't even know what's in the covenant, which is what you're supposed to be walking in. They just know, keep these rules. 
but they don't know that healing is part of it. They don't know that blessing of God is part of it, and all different kinds of things are part of that covenant. They just know the Ten Commandments. Think about it. That's important, but in all reality, what is the covenant? What should you be expecting? But see, now there's a new covenant, and um, we live in this new covenant, right? The new one Jesus started, there's a new covenant, the old one is gone, we've got a new one, and what did he say is the new rule for the new covenant? He said you have to love. It's not an issue of keeping the Ten Commandments. Those were the rules of the old covenant. Now, don't, don't leave just yet. The rule of the new covenant is love. You with me? So, turn to Romans 13 real quick so that I don't get stoned to death. Uh, well, I don't know about that. We are not in the New Testament in this new covenant called to work to keep the Ten Commandments. We are called to keep the law of love. It is the commandment of the new covenant. Do you know what's involved in the new covenant? Do you know what is yours? But notice this in Romans 13 verse 8. says, owe no one anything. He's not talking about money. You know, in the sense, and if he is talking about money, he's just basically saying, make sure you're paying off what you do. Have. Don't, don't go in debt. Don't go up over your head. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For remember, this is the rule of the new covenant, because Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have patience toward one another. Right? Because that's one of the signs of love. And so then he said this. He said, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery... Wait, I'm sorry, let's go back. Oh, no one anything except for to love one another. For he who loves has fulfilled the law. In other words, those Ten Commandments, if you will just follow the commandment of love, you'll never violate any of those laws. If you love God above everything else, you're not going to have idols. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to lie to him. Right? If you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet his stuff. Right? And so notice he goes on to say, for the commandments. So now he's going to start naming some of those Ten Commandments that were part of the Old Covenant. He said, because remember, love, if you'll just work in this new covenant to fulfill the rule of love... You won't break any of those old laws. Notice what he said. For the commandment, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. 
You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, and there are, they are all summed up in this saying. Namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So you can understand why I'm allowed to say we don't work to keep the Ten Commandments. We have a new commandment. If we do the commandment, we aren't going to violate any of those ones that were given to curb sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us those commandments were actually given to make people feel guilty before God and know they need a Savior. Isn't it interesting that the world tells you, well, it's okay to do this now, it's okay to do that, it's okay to do this and okay to do that, and if you need to lie and if you need to do this and if you need to commit adultery, you know, sometimes you're lonely, then, you know, it's okay if you don't get caught. You know why they say that? So then they're not guilty before God. But regardless, they're guilty. The whole world is guilty. They need a Savior. And so what happened was, when the Savior came, the Bible said He fulfilled the law. He kept all the... He never, ever sinned. And then when a person gets saved, the love of God gets inside their heart. First John tells us, he said... He said, we know we've passed from spiritual death unto spiritual life. In other words, we've been saved if we love one another. You can have that love, but you need to be built up in this life to walk in it. That love should be in everything, so to speak, we do. This love does not make you weak. This love actually is a strength. It's strong enough to keep every commandment. And we know a verse that said, How can two walk together except for they be agreed? And it's interesting, the Bible said God is love. So if we want to really walk close with God, we got to walk in love. So let's go back to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Love can be measured. You with me? We all have, or we should have at least, most cars have, at least according to what I know, ones you buy from a car lot, for the most part, have a gas gauge. Because what's in the tank is measurable. Love is measurable too. And have you ever looked at your own actions and went, a little low there need to fill that, get that back up there. Anybody ever done that? But really, that's what you're supposed to work with in the Christian life is walk in love. So back to Ephesians 4, verse 15. It says, but speaking the truth in love. But speaking the truth, how? In love. Is it important to hear the truth properly? You know, you need to even clean your own self of bitterness for your own good. Because if you look at everything bitterly, 
you're probably going to read the Bible that way too. And every time there's something that's condescending, you're going to read it that way to yourself. You know, God resists the proud. Instead of you going, glory to God, I live in love, and love is humble. You go, oh, God must just be resisting me. I must be proud. If you're walking in love, you're in business. But so many times people see negatively, it's because they've left things in their own life that just need to get excavated. You know what I mean by that? Just dug out. Got, gotten rid of. Because it blurs how you look at things. <clears throat> and here he said, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. So if we're to speak the truth in love, the result being growing up, hearing the word in love, reading it in love, speaking it over your own life in love, meaning whether you hear me, I need to be speaking it in love, but when you're reading it, you need to have stuff cleaned up in your life too. You know what I mean by that? Don't hold stuff against yourself. If you ask the Lord to forgive you, then you should not hold that against you. If he's willing to forgive, you should forgive yourself. That'll affect you when you read the Bible, and you need to grow up. So do I. We all need to keep growing. And so when he said here, but speaking the truth in love, we don't want to be tainted by bitterness, anger, ill in any form. And if you're not careful, we live in a world that, that pushes people that way, to be ill. We just got done with this political thing, and it's so interesting how bitter people are. If, if, if anything, no matter who won, whether it's your person or not your person, or, or you prefer to one over the other, it does not matter. What matters is, where's your heart? Where's your heart? If you're not careful, you can get this divided in your person won, their person lost, therefore, ha, ha, ha. Listen, it's not about that. We want a good person in there, but what we want is we want all the people in the world to be saved. And if we're opposed to them because we allowed ill to come in through a process that wasn't supposed to work ill in us, then we're going to mistreat people, and then we're not going to be having their best at stake or in mind, and we're going to be thinking, oh, well, they're these people or they're that people. I don't care. We're of a different kingdom, and we're not trying to get people to become Republicans, Green Party, Blue Party, whatever. It matters not. We're trying to get people into the kingdom. And make, don't make those things bigger than what they are, because then people argue, and that's not what people need. People need the Lord. And so if we are not full of love ourselves, we're going to look at things skewed, and it's not going to be helpful. It's not going to be healthy. You with me? And so here in Ephesians 4, when he said, but speaking the truth in love. If we're going to be a witness to people, then we need to tell them because we love them. You know, I wonder 
how many people have not been told because somebody didn't love them? Somebody was not motivated by love. Maybe somebody did you wrong, so I'm not going to tell them. But that hurts you, and it hurts them. But if we tell them for love's sake, it will do something. But notice here, he but said concerning these ministers, these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, he mentioned... He said, but speaking the truth in love. Now, if you, we didn't look at the verse before, but it talked about people being tossed to and fro, thrown back and forth in their life. Why do people get tossed and thrown around in their lives? Why do good Christians get hurt? And why do good Christians end up in one place and get you know, hurt here, and then they're thrown over here, and they're messed up. You know, I've been on boats in storms and seen people and stuff slide from one side to the other, and that's the term he's using in the verses before, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. When people are not planted in the truth and are not planted in the Word of God, there can be a throwing in their life, an upheaval and unsteadiness. And when trouble comes, they're sliding across the deck. And we live in treacherous waters right now in the world. The closer we get to the end, we're going to be that way. That doesn't mean the United States has to crash. But we're going to see things. And in order for us not to be tossed to and fro, we're going to have to have the truth spoken in love so that we might grow up into him who is the head. And isn't it interesting that the head is already grown up? We're just growing up into the head. Because Jesus is the head, we're the body. You know, that can paint some pretty cartoonish pictures. There's a little body this full mature head. Notice it doesn't say the head grows up here. It says the body grows up. Notice, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in, up in all things into him who is the head from whom the whole body, we're the body, and he wants his body to grow, but love needs to flavor the truth. Turn to um, James, 1 Peter. Turn to 1 Peter 2. This, this truth needs to be in love. That doesn't mean I can't say, stop that. That's hurtful. Oh, he doesn't love me. No, that can be very loving. But if you hold on to the bitterness, you'll leave and you'll be affected. Notice this in 1 Peter 2. Did I say that or James? Then we'll go to 1 Peter. I'm there. I'm debating. We'll go there probably after. Um, 1 Peter 2 says this. 
Actually, let's go to 1 Peter 1 first, then 2. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. It says, having been born again. When you get saved and you've given your life to the Lord, that's called being born again. Or born new or you could say being born of God, being born spiritually. Notice he said, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible, but it doesn't say seed, but it's implying, not a corruptible seed, or not a corruptible one that can go bad, but an incorruptible seed. Notice what he calls the seed that made someone born again. Through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Notice when a person gets saved, what got them saved? It was through the Word of God. Remember, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. We're all familiar with the gospel and the importance of the gospel, are we not? Because really that's what got us saved. That's what brought new life into us. That's what made us children of God. James 1, and then we'll come back here to Peter. James 1 says this, verse 18, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. By his own will. It was God's will. But it was through his word that he brought you forth. In other words, you got saved. It was God's will. It's God's will for people to get saved. But the truth has a mighty role. You have to know. But notice this. It says that we might be a might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, we are born again. The Bible calls us new creations in Christ. When a person gets saved, they're brought forth. How? They heard the word, and something supernatural and miraculous happened in their spirits. They were made brand new. And so, getting the gospel is important. The world needs to know. But here's what's interesting. So many people talk about the marvelous miracle of salvation and don't maybe always realize that there is a progressive miracle because what is a miracle? It's a divine intervention in the natural course of life. And so go back to, to 1 Peter the second chapter, right after being born again. So a miracle took place when you received Christ, made you brand new. Was that the end of the miracle of your life? What is the passageway to more of God doing things and more miraculous work in your life? Remember he said, but speaking the truth 
in love may grow up. You got born, but there's another side of now growing up. And we know that this is the message of love to humanity because God loved the world that He gave His Son. But the message to humanity and the message to saved ones are different. What do I mean by that? Well, they're lost. They need life. We have life. We need to grow up. But notice this in 1 Peter 2. Verse 2, as newborn babes desire, let's go back to verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. You know, those are contrary things to love. As newborn babes, so listen, if you'll walk in love, you'll get rid of malice. If you walk in love, you'll get rid of deceit. You won't be a hypocrite. Because he said hypocrisy. Envy. Wanting stuff. Remember, those are some of the commandments, right? We're not to envy. We're not to be jealous. If we walk in love, we start putting those things away. You with me? That 13th chapter, when he taught love, because love is not about me. And in that 13th chapter, he said when he started to grow, he said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, he acted like a child. But he said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. As he grow, as he grew, and as we grow, if we are truly growing, it's not a gathering of information. It's information is coming, but then I see I'm sharp with words. I need to start controlling my tongue. And who puts it away? Lord, just help me to watch my tongue. He said, no, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, but when I became a man... Are you a child? Are you wanting to become a man? He said, I put away childish things. Here, he said, therefore, laying aside or put aside, get rid of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. How would I do that? How would I know what's right and wrong? By growing in love. By personally making an effort to grow and to be fed his word. But notice this, he said, as newborn babes, now he's talking about people who are saved, desire, desire, there is a desire in every born-again Christian no matter if they recognize it or not, there is a desire. There is a desire. And it cannot be quenched by anything but by the Word of God and fellowship with God. He said, as newborn babes desire, what? The pure milk of the Word that we 
or you may grow thereby. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. Here, he said, there is some kind of nutritional value like a mother's milk to a child. So there is from the Father God a word called the book, the Bible that was given, and there's nutrients in here that will cause you to grow. But remember this, it's speaking the truth in love. What is truth? Now notice there's a hint right there about what kind of truth needs to be delivered. What do you mean? He said, well, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him who is the head and we're the body. So it has to be truths that unveil who you are as a body part in Christ. You with me? In other words, isn't the head and the body supposed to look like they belong together? You ever, when you were younger, had one of those books that had the different layers and the top page turned, of the page turned, and it was like divided into three, and you could turn it, and you'd get like a construction worker head, and you turn the next two, and he's got a bikini on. <laughs> then you flip the bottom, and he's got a hula skirt on. Then you flip it again, and... And now it's a lady's head, and you flip the next one, and he's got shoulder pads. You know what I'm talking about? Or you get a football player with ladies' legs and high heels. We just know that the head and the body are su supposed to have some kind of something that looks alike. Is that not true? And that's why we put away certain things as we grow, because Christ already had them put away for us. And as we grow, we start walking these things out. You with me? Notice this in Matthew 4. Well, you don't have to turn there. Most of us know this verse. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What have we been learning about the book of Ephesians? One thing we have learned is there is much talk about an inward change, a new life given, an inheritance given, a standing given that God is not wanting to bless you. God has already blessed you. And he's not wanting you to think, I'm trying to get blessed He's wanting you to know that he has given you an inheritance. He's given you a standing. That information helps you to walk. And walking is what is growth. You with me? How we live this life. Well, I guess you'll just have to come back next week and we'll pick up again. But the truth and love are major keys.